like to give everybody out there listening a very warm White Cat welcome because you're tuned in to the White Cat Outdoors podcast. What's going on, everybody? This is White bringing you into episode 20 of the White Cat Outdoors podcast. Tom and Nick are both hanging out with us today. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Hey, guys. Tom here. Thanks for coming, guys. We appreciate you. Glad to be here. It's, it's, real... been, it's been like a whole week since you yeah. guys were on the podcast, I it's think. It's been wild, yeah. Yeah. Um, How about that guest we had last week? What a hoot. Right? Really, Great really wild guy. guy. Yeah. Really something. So check out episode 19. That guy was awesome. Yeah. Speaking Watch of over having over. guys on the podcast, though, we do have a guest that we're trying to get on tonight. Nick, Nick, Nick talk about it. Uh, so tonight we're going to be uh, bringing my buddy uh, Luke Moyer on the podcast. I went to college with him, and uh, the guy's a big-time buck killer. Uh, big-time turkey slayer and bear killer. Uh, he's actually got his PA Grand Slam, films his own hunts, uh, a little bit of taxidermy. Uh, this guy does it all. Big shed hunts. Shed hunting guy, yeah, yeah big-time shed hunting guy, but I don't want to spill anything. So uh, without further ado, let's see if we can't get him on the line here. Not a bad plan. All right, hey, what's going on, Luke? How you doing? Good, how you doing, man? Not too bad. Uh, we got Tom and Frank here in the studio with us, uh, but before we get too far into it uh, why don't you give us a little rundown on who you are um where we can find you on instagram i know you got a youtube as well uh yes sir um yeah so uh i grew up in pennsylvania uh, i really didn't get into uh bow hunting very much until i would say early high school uh maybe late middle school around that time uh since then i've just been bow hunting like crazy i can't get enough of it uh, I've been studying whitetails a lot over the years, writing a lot of notes down, and hunting a lot of out of state. Uh, and it's been helping me to learn a lot. But um, yeah, I mean, I pretty much just live and breathe bow hunting and fly fishing. I love to hunt my turkeys. <laughs> uh, but yeah, other than that, you know, I weld uh, for a living. And yeah, that's kind of actually how we met. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 going through college. So, nope. uh, I guess. You said, um, when, I guess, what got you into filming your hunts and, like, what started October's obsession? Yeah. Um, so, basically, I mean, I've seen a lot of videos and uh, hunts on, like, the Outdoor Channel. And, you know, there's all kinds of different uh, films out there. But uh, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the show Raised Hunting. I'm um, familiar with but it, way it, but I'm not really, like, yeah. I don't watch it a lot. Well, I... The first time I saw it, I was pretty, uh, I was pretty captured by the way they had filmed it. I mean, it was rather than just me sitting there watching it, it was almost like I felt like I was there with it. it you know, it kind of it brings your emotions out, and makes your hair stand up, kind of film. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah. Ever since that, I was like, man, that is like that's. I want to do that. I want to do that kind of filming. I want to make people feel like they're there. I want to make them feel the emotions that I feel when I'm going through everything I'm going through during the hunt and the pursuit. And uh, so that's basically what started October's recession. I had a friend come to me, and he said, hey, you know, he's like, I've been trying to get something started, but I can't really find anybody to start it up with me. He said, what do you think? I said, well, I said, that sounds perfect, because I've been thinking about doing the same thing. I mean, I was going to do it solo, but we decided to go in on it together. And uh, so basically, we started this uh, Instagram page and YouTube channel. And uh, last year was basically... um, it was basically my first time really filming. I mean, I got all the camera equipment now, and I'm, I'm pretty well set. Uh, it was my first time really playing with editing. Um, so you, I, you I do all your own editing as well? 
Yeah, yep. But I definitely did struggle with uh, trying to get all the film that I needed for my hunts. Uh, I find I find myself like getting so wrapped up in the hunt that you forget the film. You know what I mean? Yeah, I definitely and, know uh, what you're talking about with that because I've tried doing a couple of like small filmings before. You know, just like with a GoPro or whatever, or you know, just yeah. small stuff. And like I filmed Tom, you know, last week turkey hunting, and it just adds another thing that you have to think about all the time, especially with self filming. Like you always have to be Johnny on the spot and thinking about, okay, where's my camera pointing? What's going on? What's about to happen? How do I have to set up so you get that perfect shot? Right, exactly. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I guess if you're not used to it and you're not doing it full time, I mean, it's it, you end up with a bunch of missing pieces. Mm-hmm. So why don't you uh, run us through uh, your first, I guess, like your big release, it seems, uh, with your buck last year. Um with October's Obsession and stuff, and, the, and that filmed hunt, because uh, I know you had, yeah, just a little bit of, uh, I guess not a ton of history with the guy, but, um, you know, I mean, I'll let you tell the story, you were there. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, so, four years ago, um, me and a guy that I'm good friends with, uh, we were talking about, uh, it seems like private land around here is, is starting to get bought up a lot, and permissions to hunt anywhere, and everything's getting developed everything's kind of dwindling right now so we were kind of on the outlook talking to you know get our own property that we could actually manage you know i mean it's it's hard when we got uh we ended up finding a 55 acre piece of land um it's down in this little valley with ridges on both sides uh, and it's all agriculture around it and we are the block of woods and uh, the first time we went to walk it and check it out, uh, it had a couple spring-fed streams, and, I mean, it had just about every little kind of terrain you could imagine, big cedar thickets, um, big crossings, funnels. Uh, there was a lot of opportunity to do something with it. So we decided that we were going to go ahead and um, talk about leasing it, and that, so that's what we ended up doing. So when everything was final with the leasing and we had all our agreements written down and everything like that, um, the people agreed that we could um, put in a driveway and make access. If we wanted to do food plots, we could. If we wanted to do any kind of land management, we could. They just didn't want us to build. So we were like, all right, you know, that, that sounds good to us. So we went up and we put a little um, a little driveway in uh, just so we could park our trucks off the dirt road right there and, you know, have a gate maybe and just try and keep people out because we did, the first time we walked it, we saw a lot of tree stands. I guess the landowners... Um, they don't live around here, so that just kind of became a, a quote-unquote public piece for anybody that wanted to hunt it. Really. Freebie for anybody. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, from what I heard, I guess there was some pretty good deer killed out of there. Uh, state trooper lives across the road. He also has his own piece of property, and he's he wanted to manage deer as well. So really nice guy. So we got hooked up with him, and we got hooked up with this property. And we put in our little driveway, and we decided that we wanted to uh, clear out this real big thicket. Uh, it was kind of like where Briars just transitioned into, like, a real sweat skunk cabbage swamp right there. And uh, it also butted up against the left side of a power line that ran all the way across the property. So we decided to clear that out and uh, till up the dirt and try and plant something there that first year. And I think, I think when we started there, the first time we broke ground there might have been June. July, I can't remember, but this is four summers ago, mm-hmm. and so we we dug up maybe 
50 yards by 40 yards square that we were going to plant. And we planted sugar beets in one and on one half and clover on the other half. Just to test. We never played with food pots or anything like that. And we put up a trail camera there just to check it out. And when we checked it a couple days later, whatever it was, uh, there was a pretty nice buck on it. But he was he was young. He was in velvet still, obviously not even close to fully developed. But he was a good-looking deer, you know. And we're like, oh, that's cool. And the biggest thing that we noticed about this deer was he had these real funky brow tines. I mean, they, they came up, and they shot. They both shot away from each other and then kicked right back like a diamond. It was the coolest-looking coolest shape. Hmm. And uh, so the year goes by, uh, whatever. We didn't shoot anything that year up there. Uh, we were really just trying to figure out what every what all was going on with the property and everything like that. Um, so the following year, we decided that we wanted to put in a couple more food plots uh, strategically placed along the property. You know, where would we be able to access with the most common wind? You know, this, that, and the other thing. And, um, and so we did that, and we started getting trail pictures late summer again of this same buck, now a year older. And... You know, we were like, wow, look at him. You know, he's got them same brow tines, just a bigger frame, you know, a little more mass on him, but he's, he's starting to grow up. We're like, that's pretty cool, you know. And so we decided to start naming deer so we could try and keep track of him a little bit more. And this particular buck we named Zeus. And so um, we both ended up getting decent eight-pointers up there that year. Um, we played around a little more. We did a little more land management up there just it's not a very big piece of property, so you fiddle with it too much, you can mess it up. Um, but we definitely did, you know, we had fun with it and didn't get too crazy. And so the next year, now this would be uh, two years ago, uh, the buck came back again, and he had blown up. I mean, he was, this Zeus buck, he was a lot bigger. He was a mainframe eight-pointer, um, but he was twice as tall as he was the year before, kept those same exact brow tines shaped like a diamond. Uh, but they were also taller, you know, he was, he was growing into a, like a true buck. And I'm like, man, I'm like, if I get an opportunity at this buck this year, I'm going to, I'm going to kill him, you know? Yeah. He was definitely and, the hit list buck. Yeah. Yeah. He was up there and there was another buck, um, that I was actually after that year too. He had, he had a triple brow tine on one side and a split on the other. And he had a couple, had a couple other wacky things going on. And I think he was, he was a much bigger bodied deer. I think he was older and that's why he started growing that pretty funky stuff. Uh, but we never actually ended up seeing either of them in person, so we just kind of, you know, I didn't. I shot one uh, up in trial run that year on public, and Brad ended up shooting one in Jersey. And uh, so that was about it for that year. We didn't kill anything up there besides two does. So skip ahead to this past year. Um, now we have our food plots in. Uh, everything's pretty well established. We have all our stand locations. We have a driveway. And at this point, we have actually purchased the property. So now it's ours. So um, we're not going to build on it yet, um, but we do feel a little bit more comfortable with the property now, being able to go around and do things and interact with the neighbors and figure out everything that's going on. Um, But it was a buck named Sharpie that we've had for two years now. Uh, I had a close eye on him because he started growing pretty big pretty fast last summer. Uh, a lot quicker, you know, most of the other bucks had just shed, and this guy already had three, four-inch uh, nubs growing up. And so I wanted to keep my eye on him throughout the summer, and I would say it was about the beginning of July, this buck showed up in one of our food plots on the very back side of the property, and his body was just unreal. I mean, it was so big, so muscular, and 
but I couldn't, he wasn't developed enough up front there that I couldn't tell what bucket was. I'm like, but man, you know, whatever deer that is, I mean, he's definitely got some age to him. He's starting to mature. He's got that big, deep chest, big belly, a swoop in the back. I'm like, it's everything that you would think of when you picture a mature buck. Mm-hmm. And from the front, I mean, he just looks broad, you know, like a pit bull. When you're looking at it from the front, they just look so muscular. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, hmm, you know, we were real curious about what deer that was. And then beginning of August, he showed back up again. And bam, I mean, we knew exactly what deer it was right away i mean he was getting pretty close to being done with his antler growth and we knew it was zeus again so that would be the fourth year that we've seen this deer we're thinking he's five or six because we don't know how exactly how old he was the first year we seen him but we were thinking a two-year-old so we were like all right and to give you a little background about hunting this property uh even with our food plots like i said it's all agriculture around us and as you guys know, I'm sure um, farmers do crop change. So yeah. they'll go from cor- corn to soybean, corn to soybean yep. every and, year. And you never know until last minute, you know, it yeah. changes right, each right. year and never know. So on the years that the, uh, all the fields were planted up with corn, we noticed that the amount of deer we were seeing was, I mean, much, much lower than the year with soybeans because those deer, I mean, they really do live in that corn if they can. And they had everything they needed up in those cornfields, you know what I mean? So uh, this past year, uh, when that bucket showed up, we knew it was soybeans that year. So we were like, okay, they're going to be coming into our woods, and, you know, if we're going to kill them, this is a year to really study them, really figure out what he's doing, and try and make a pattern on him if we can. I mean, we only have 55 acres, but we'll try and figure out his movement to the best of our ability, see what he's doing, see what he's coming through, and we're going to try and get him this year. So... Skip forward to October, early October. And you're filming at this point, correct? Like, not necessarily yes, this year, but you've got your camera with you for this season. Yes. Yep. It actually just started, we just started talking about that, the October's obsession in August and how we wanted to do it. So I, at that point, I already had some film gear. Uh, I started playing around with it, seeing what I could do before hunting season. Uh, just trying to get, you know, my feet dug in a little bit, a little more familiar. Um, so I was feeling pretty good about it. So September rolls around. Uh, I'm not really hunting. It's pretty warm yet. I'm too busy salmon fishing. Um, so early October rolls around, and this deer is still showing up. We have our stand set, stage is set. We just need the perfect weather. And so I think it was, I believe it was a, a Friday. I took off work uh, for a Friday. Me and Brad were going to leave Thursday night to go up and salmon fish again. Now, this would be October October 11th um, of this last hunting season. Um, so we were supposed to leave that Thursday night, which would have been October 10th, and uh, something ended up happening with Brad and his job um, that he, had, he ended up having to go to work. So, all right, well, I'd, I'm not going to go up to New York for the weekend, but I already took my day off of work, so I might as well hop up in a stand. And so the one thing I do want to say, I don't know, a lot of people have different opinions about the moon and how it phases deer. Um, I'm sure you guys have heard of the moon guide by deer society. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So we have that. Now I know there's the red moon and there's a couple days before and a couple days after it shows you the deer movement, this, that, and the other thing. Now, honestly, I probably wouldn't have gone and sat in the stand that night or that morning if it wasn't for, the fact that it was, I think, two days after the red moon or two days before, I don't even remember. Um, 
but I'm like, you know what? I got a good wind for that stand in the far back where Zeus has been coming through a lot. So I said, I'll go back there and try my luck. So I got back out there on that Friday morning uh, just because I had called off work already and we weren't going to end up going to New York. Um, so I sat there. Uh, most of the morning, I was going to try and pull an all-day shit. Um, kind of weird to do in October, but it was just something I wanted to do. I didn't have anything better to do. Yeah. Uh, but I ended up pulling out around 1130. Um, let me rewind a little bit. That morning, um, there was a buck that we had named Poker. Uh, he's a young seven-pointer. He's a really nice buck, honestly. For being as young as he is, I think he's got a lot of room to grow. Really good-looking deer. So either way, he was uh, he's actually pushing some does around, and he was grunting a little bit, which is, you know, it was pretty early in October yet, but it was still pretty cool. And uh, he walked right underneath me. I let him go. He went back into the clover plot about 50 yards behind me, and he was chasing this bill, just nosing around a little bit, and he ran down the trail that we had cut all the way around the property for easy access. He ran her straight down to that down that trail into this thick brush, and uh, I actually heard a buck snort wheeze at him. And at first I thought it was him, but I'm like, no way he did that. I mean, there was no way that that little buck just did that. And he came running back past me the other way. He ran, you know, 30 or 40 yards past me, turned around, and he just didn't like whatever was down there. So he just kept on going the other way. I'm like, damn. I'm like, that's got to be Zeus. I'm like, he's got to be bedded down there tending the dough or something like that. And he just, you know, he didn't like this little buck coming around and pushing that dough. I said, he's got to be, he's the one that had to have snort weeds. I mean, I don't think younger deer really do that. Um, So I waited, and I'd say around... 11.30, 11.30, nothing was going on, but I still had a good wind, so I slipped out real quiet, came back to the house, had some lunch, and I got back into the stand no later than quarter after 12. I got back up, and I don't believe I saw, I don't even remember what time it gets dark at that point. I think, I that's, I think was, that's before the yeah, time Yeah, it's before the time change, so probably like 7.30-ish. Yeah, it was, it was something like that, yeah. And so... I didn't see any deer the rest of that night, actually, which was really surprising to me. Um, everything was everything was pretty good, you know what I mean. And it wasn't it wasn't cold, uh, but it wasn't hot either. It might have been 55, 50 degrees that night. So I was definitely expecting to see some deer, but nothing was doing. And so on the far side of my food plot, I have a trail camera just posted up, just kind of watching it. There's actually a vine there for a a preorbital scrape. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with those, where you hang the vine down and the deer rub the corner of their eyes on it oh yeah mm-hmm. i've heard yeah i've heard guys have actually using like ropes uh to make like mock versions of that mm-hmm. yeah yep pretty much the same thing so i had a trail camera on the far side of the food plot overlooking one of those so i had of course i had all my film equipment in the tree with me and i did some film and i seen some fox and some does and stuff like that that morning um but i hadn't filmed anything that afternoon i hadn't seen anything so it's getting pretty close to dark and now i know that those deer are probably going to start filtering into that clover pretty soon. And my way out is pretty much right along the edge of that clover. So I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm like, it's going to be dark, dark in no more than 10, 15 minutes. So I said, I'll just pack up all my stuff right now and I'll start climbing down and get out of here before these deer filter in. And I spook them. So I got most of my film equipment packed up. Actually, I think all of it was packed up. I think the only thing I had going at that point was my GoPro was still hanging up in the tree. And I was just getting ready to lower my bow, and out of the corner of my eye, uh, the trail camera was dark enough that the trail camera had switched to infrared mode. And I just see the, you know, like the red LEDs in the back, in yep. the background of the trail camera light up. 
And so I just happened to turn my head and I look over and I could see a I could see a buck on the far side of the food plot. And I'm looking and I'm like, hmm. I got it doesn't it's not Zeus. I mean I can tell it's not Zeus, but I'm having a hard time seeing it. It was getting pretty dark and you just I'd say every bit of a hundred yards out there. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking and looking and I can't tell what deer it is. So I didn't have my binoculars with me of course. Um, but he turned and he just he wasn't even eating the clover, he just turned and started walking right towards me. So I'm watching him, watching him. My bow is still hanging up. I hadn't picked it up or nothing. I didn't know. Really, the only deer I wanted to shoot that year was Zeus because I knew he'd be pushing 150. So um, I was pretty dedicated to him, especially having, that was, you know, the first deer I really ever had history with as Mm -hmm. far as documentation. Uh, So I thought it'd be a really cool story if I killed that deer. So I was really putting my heart into it. So this deer's walking towards me. And as he's getting closer, he's getting bigger. And now I know, <laughs> I know we've all shot bucks that had ground shrinkage and anybody that happens shot, to the best you know, of us. Deer, it, it does, you know, and I've come to learn that if you get a two year old deer with a big looking rack on him, but you don't know how big his body is because, you know, maybe it's tough to age him or something like that. You shoot a two year old deer with a big rack. When you get down, his body is going to be smaller than you thought it was, which is going to mm. make his rack smaller than you thought it was. You know yeah. what I mean? And I guess that's just how ground shrinkage happens. So I'm trying to, like, look at the, I mean, his rack looks big as he's coming towards me. Now he's 50 yards and closing. I'm looking at his body. I'm, dude, this thing looks like a horse coming across this clover plot <laughs> So right at now. 50 yards, you still haven't <laughs> picked up your bow? Is that what you're? Yeah, no, because I really, I honestly <laughs> didn't, I didn't want to shoot any deer but that one I was after. Yeah, I, get, I, so, I feel that. <laughs> I just, I mean, I really didn't realize how big he was until he got closer. So I'm looking at his body, and he's broad. He's coming head on at me. And, I mean, as he's getting closer, his shoulders are just getting bigger and bigger and broader and stockier. I can see his belly bulging out past his hips. I'm like, man, that is a big, big deer. And now he gets maybe maybe 20 yards, and he kind of just turns his head a little bit. And I can see that he's got two rows of times on his, I guess that would be his left side. He had two rows of times on his main beam. And I'm like, oh, man. And then he turns the other way, and I can see kickers coming off the other side. I'm like, oh, man. I'm like, I'm going to shoot this deer. I'm looking at this thing. I'm like, all right, now he's pretty dang big, you know? So I pick up my bow real slow because he's just kind of looking around right now. And the way the way I have my um, tree stand hung, I have it pointing to the west. And now my food plot is over to, like, the south, um, like the southeast almost. It's behind me. My tree stand isn't pointing onto the food plot, it's actually pointing into a transition between uh, kind of where they're coming out of their bedding and just kind of filtering through to go up into the clover and then filter through there into the uh, ag field there. Mm-hmm. So he's coming, he's technically behind me. And, you know, the only reason I saw him was because I saw that trail camera out of the corner of my eye when I was turned, getting everything into my backpack. Yeah, so you probably would have now, spooked him had it not been for the camera going off. You'd have had no idea he was there. Yeah, I would have I would have never known. I'd have been climbing down my ladder. So <laughs> it's just, just crazy. So um, yeah, so at this point I'm turned. There's a crotch in the tree, and I, I have my my platform right below that crotch. So now I'm kind of turned, and I have my bow sitting in the crotch of the tree, and I'm kind of trying to figure out, you know, how am I going to shoot this thing because he's head on at me, and I'm not going to shoot him that way. So I decided to pick up my bow and turn 180 degrees and let them just slip past my tree, and I'll shoot them, you know, 15, 20 yards quartering away as long as it's not too hard. Well, he never made it that far. He got right to the base of my tree, I mean almost touching my ladder. Well, you know, my climbing stick's there. 
and he just happens to look up. And he, he instantly daylighted me because there I was standing in the crotch of the tree with zero cover because of the way I was turned. Mm-hmm. And he picked me right up. So now I'm like, I don't know what to do. You know, I'm, of course, I'm trying not to move, but I'm looking at the end of my arrow, and that thing is just going absolutely haywire. <laughs> I'm, trying to hold, I'm trying to hold as still as I can, but I can hear him bouncing. And I'm, I'm just watching him. I don't know what he's going to do. Well, then he kind of just lowers his front end and takes one step back, you know, and he's still got his front end lowered. He's looking. Like, he's looking pretty spring-loaded, you know what I mean? Like, he's going to run. And so he takes another step back, and he's, he's just locked on me. He ain't looking at anything else. And I know, I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do because I'm about to watch this buck run out of my life right now. And so, bam, he does it. He runs. He jumps. And as soon as he's running dead away from me, I pull back. And I was going to try and stop him, you know, like, meh. Mm-hmm. I was going to try and stop him and see if he would turn enough for me to get a shot. But I didn't have to. I pulled back. And because I didn't, I guess because I didn't move, I didn't spook him that bad. He didn't, I mean, he knew that there was something there he didn't like, but he didn't know what it was. And I didn't move. I didn't give myself away. I only pulled back when he was running away. So he naturally just stopped and turned and was just looking around again. And he kind of calmed down a little bit. But at this point, I have my single pin bumped all the way up because I plan on shooting him at 10 yards. Now, this deer might be at 35 or 40 now. <laughs> I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm like, and I'm full draw. I'm like, there's nothing I can do now. I'm like, all right. I'm like, well, I've done this in the yard a million times. I'm like, I think I can do it. So I just brought it. I mean, I didn't even bring it all the way up above his back. But I shot, and I mean, it was perfect. And he jumped up, he mule kicked, spun around in the food plot, and he just tore off down that trail that I was telling you that smaller buck had run down earlier that morning. Mm-hmm. So I really, I mean, I didn't even really know the caliper of buck I had just shot, but I knew it had to be a big one in order for me to shoot him over the one that I was originally chasing. And it's, I mean, instantly I was already, I was almost having guilt and regret because I'm like, you know, I really wanted to put my heart into that other buck. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, I texted Brad. Uh, I said, Hey, I said, I just shot a buck. I said, it's big, but I said, it's not Zeus. Um, I said, I made a good hit on him, but I want to give him a little bit of time, so I'm going to head back to the house. Uh, let me know when you get out of your tree stand. So he ended up meeting me at the far side of the property where I was hunting. He was actually hunting the other side of the property. And uh, I told him everything that had happened, and he's like, all right. He's like, well, he's like, you said that you saw the trail camera go off, right? I said, yeah. He said, all right, well, let's go grab that trail camera card so we can get a better look at him while we're waiting to track him. I'm like, all right. So we went back, grabbed that trail camera card, uh, marked where we had first blood right there with the arrow. I got a pass through, so I just stuck the arrow up with the Luminoc on. Brought the trail camera card home and uh, plugged it in the computer, and we're looking at this deer, and we're both, like, kind of jaw-dropping. You know what I mean? I'm like, I didn't even know I just shot a buck that big. <laughs> <laughs> so, but now, instantly, I'm like, I'm almost feeling sick because even though, even though I knew I made a good shot on him, I was nervous because he wasn't at a very... It's not that he wasn't at a confident range. I my sight wasn't there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I had to do I had to do something that I would do on a three D target in the yard in the spur of the moment. You know what I mean? And it's like it's so easy to mess something up like that. So, yeah, for sure. You know, my, my my mom's cooking dinner and everything like that. And, you know, she's like, "Are you going to eat? Are you going to eat before we go track this deer?" I'm like, "I don't think I can." I'm like, "I feel like I'm going to throw up." She's like, "Why?" <laughs> I don't know. I just I'm just nervous. I'm like, I'm feeling all kinds of different emotions right now. So we gave him about an hour and we went up and. I'd never heard his deer crash, but he might have made it, might have made it 40 yards. I mean, he made it right to the other side of that trail and crashed right there. And he must have died because I never heard him kicking or flailing or anything like that. So that was incredible. Um, We got him out there, brought him home, 
Uh, we hung him up for the night. I came back the next morning. I weighed him. Uh, he was 228 pounds dressed and hanging for a night. Yeah, that's <laughs> a was, monster. Uh, I've never seen a deer with a body like that, ever. Um, so that was that was pretty awesome. And then we rough scored him here in the garage that night. We got like 156 and something like that. And then when we did it the next day, we came out to 163 even. Uh, when we had more daylight, we did it carefully and everything like that. Mm-hmm. We got 163 even out of this buck. And... You know, that was just gross score. Net score, he lost over 20 inches because of how much oddities he had going on between his antlers. Uh, mm-hmm. But he's still such, an, like, such a crazy buck. I mean, and that's a PA whitetail, too, and that's what's insane. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and, and honestly, you know, like, in my mind, high. like, net score, I don't take net score into too much account because it, if the antlers are on its head, you know, it, it grew it. It should count. So, and your buck is, you know, you scored it at 163. In my mind, that's a 163-inch deer. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. What he's got is what he's got. I always said that's for fishing, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we won't <laughs> <Yeah>. do that. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, I mean, so that was, I was on cloud nine. Um, shortly after that, I think it was two weeks later, um, I was going down to Maryland to hunt those sick of deer uh, for the first time with, you know, Al from college. Yeah, I remember Al. Yeah, so we had that all planned out, and I'm like, I'm real giddy, real excited. I mean, my season couldn't be going any better. So we went down there, and we had a good hunt. Um, we ended up getting into the sick of deer in the last two days of, of it. Uh, we did a lot of scouting, a lot of hiking, a lot of stands out in the back, kind of moving around, trying to figure it out. Um, that was all public was, land? Yeah, that was all public land. That was Blackwater National Refuge. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, that was definitely a cool hunt. Al actually had missed a, a pretty big six-point stag uh the second to last night um which he was he was pretty bummed over that but now he's got a he's got a vendetta now he wants to get back down there one of these years so <laughs> yeah i was uh, talking to him about it a little while back and yeah he's he's out for blood now <laughs> yeah 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 we were supposed to go out to uh ohio this year together to hunt but we actually ended up both drawing south dakota mule deer tags for archery so we're going to go do that nice um yeah, so that'll be a good time, I think. I'm going to definitely try and film as much as I can out there. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, yes, it was the it was the last night. No, it was the second to last night down there in Maryland. Uh, Al had missed that uh, stag. And so it was the next morning we were out there uh, trying to get back after it. And Brad had texted me. Well, I actually texted Brad. I was checking the weather for down there in Maryland, what it was going to be like. And I had seen that there was a big cold front moving through uh, back up here at home. So I texted Brad. I said, hey, I said, they're calling for a southwest wind and big cold front. I said, you should probably get back into that stand where I shot my buck and see, you know, if, uh, if anything good is going on back there. And he's like, oh, yeah, he's like, I don't know. He's like, I got to do some work here in the morning. He hangs uh, drywall and does a bunch of finished work in houses and stuff like that though. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, come on, man. I'm like, you got it. You got to get out there. I'm like, it was like the perfect combination of weather that a bow hunter would die for once every three years. Yeah. I'm like, you got to, you got to get out there. I seen a lot of bucks get killed that day. They so said, all right, maybe this afternoon. So I want to say it was about two o'clock. I called him, uh, when me and Al were heading back into our stands for the Sika and I said, I said, hey, you going hunting? He's like, oh, no, I don't think so. I said, yeah, well, somewhere along the line, I was able to talk him into getting out there. So he did. <laughs> uh, and then he ended, he ended up texting me, I want to say, around 530. And he said, I just shot Zeus. 
And I'm instantly, I'm like, there's no way. I'm like, come on. Yeah, he's screwing with you. Don't mess with me like that. Yeah, Yeah, he wasn't even going to go hunting. Now he shot your target. Fuck, no way, dude. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So he was like, no. He's like, no, I'm serious. And he knew I was in the stand, too. And I knew that he was in the stand. Well, he's calling me now while I'm hunting. And I'm like, all right. I'm like, he's got to be serious because he wouldn't be calling me if he knew we were both hunting. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I I try to answer real quiet. Like, hello? He's like, dude. And I could hear the shakiness in his voice. He's like, I just shot him. He's like, I can't believe it. He's like, I just shot that buck. I'm like, that's crazy, you know. So, long story short, um, it wasn't it wasn't a very good hit because the buck he shot, I believe, 42 yards, and the buck had turned a little bit right after he shot. He was actually making a scrape, and as soon as he released, instead of ducking, he turned, which was unexpected for. So he caught him, uh, I believe, on his left side, um, right in front of the hip. But he shoots a really heavy arrow setup, thankfully, with fixed blade as well. And it pushed all the way up through and came out right behind the opposing shoulder on the other side. So it worked out really good for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he didn't end up finding him that night, which made me, I'm, you know, I'm texting him nonstop. I'm like, did you find him yet? Did you find him yet? Because I'm still down in Maryland. And, um, you're like, you're sleeping in the woods like, no. and you're not coming out until you find him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what it felt like. I'm like, come on, man. I'm like, you know how much this deer means, you know what I mean? Like, you gotta, you gotta get them. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I, I mean, I really, I was having a hard time sleeping that night, and the weather wasn't looking that good for in Maryland. I said, Al, I had just shot a sick of deer that morning, too, for the record. Um, <laughs> we had already gotten one down. And so we were like, okay, you know, now I'm like, Al, I'm like, come on, man. I'm like, we gotta get home first thing in the morning. We gotta pack everything up. Let's cut this trip a day short. Go home and get this buck. I'm like, this buck is a lot more meaningful to me than one of these deer the size of a squirrel you know and he's like, All right. he's like, that's cool. so uh yeah we had the truck packed up no like 4 30 a.m and we were gone we were on the road uh i got up there and brad had just found it and just as i was getting there he had just found him i keep i seen his truck up there he wasn't around so i called him and i said hey what are you doing and he said i'm actually holding zeus's ball sack in my hand right now <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like no way you got him he's like yeah he's like i just finished gunning him I'm like, all right. Uh, so he told me where it was, and I ran down in the woods to go help him. And I could not believe the size of this deer. I mean, it was unreal. I mean, it had it had almost the same body size as mine. It was 210 after dressing and hanging for a night. That's nuts. So, I mean, it was equally, a, you know, I mean, pound for pound, this buck was just gargantuan yeah. off a 55 um, acre piece that's what's crazy is like you guys i mean 55 acres sounds a lot to somebody that lives in the city but like when it comes to like hunting 55 acres can get covered so fast for mm-hmm. so to see two oh, bucks yeah. like that killed is just insane yeah it's, it's nothing it's absolutely nothing um those deer are just in and out of there all the time which makes it really hard for us to keep track but um so yeah i mean he shot this buck and this this buck is crazy all right he's got like bowie knives the ends of his main beam. I mean, he's got, I think it was like four and a half inches around his bases. Holy cow. But up, up between his G4s on both sides, out to the end of his main beam, he's over eight inches. That's over insane. Eight inches mass. I've never it, even I heard mean, of a deer at that size. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't, you can hardly get your hand around one side of his antler. I mean, it's un, unreal. I mean, it was just. Just like paddles almost. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just like paddles, because you know it's not eight inches round. I mean, it's like it's like four and a half inches tall, and then it's just all <laughs> that you know. It's just crazy. I mean, it's unreal. And you know, he had kickers. He was actually a fourteen pointer, and he had a drop time that year 
this past summer, he had a drop time come, like his main beam on his right antler came out and dipped down like a teardrop, like three or four inches. And that was in August, and he had actually broken it off at hmm. some point before he got hard horn. So, of course, that wasn't on there, but I think we're going to repair that because we got lots of pictures of him uh, with it on. So we're like, you know, that's, that's mm. really cool. Yeah. So, so either way we had that. And, um, shortly after that, then, uh, I had a buddy text me. Uh, I think it was during shotgun season. We were shotgun hunting in New Jersey. Uh, my buddy Louie texted me and said, Hey, uh, he said, uh, I have this real big buck on my camera. He's like, I've been watching him for two years now. I said, I don't, you know, he's like, I just can't seem to kill him. He's like, um, do you have any thoughts? He's like, I'll send you the property on uh, Onyx and everything. He's like, just check it out and see what you think too because he's like, I just want a second head on this. So I looked at it and uh, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, how old do you think the deer is? He's like, I don't know. I'll send you a picture of him and you can try and figure out how old he is a little bit. I'm like, all right. Yeah, that sounds good. So he sends me a picture of this buck and I'm like, man, I'm like, that, that's a big buck, you know? And he's like, yeah, yeah. So he sends me a couple more pictures. He's like, how old do you think he is? I'm like, Louie, I'm like, I, that buck looks familiar to me. He's like, really? I'm like, let me check his teeth. I, sh- I shot that buck a month ago. He's <laughs> like, what? I'm like, I shot that buck a month ago. I kid you not. He had pictures of that deer, a bunch of them, maybe two dozen pictures of my of my buck the night of October 10th, one night before I shot my buck, October 11th, over two miles away. That's insane. Yeah, tell me, I'll check his teeth right now and tell you exactly how old he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, of course, I mean, I, I did actually feel pretty bad about, you know, he was passing up bucks off season so he could get a crack at this buck. Yeah, I had no idea <laughs> it was already he didn't, he didn't dead. Know it was dead. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but, I mean, it was just unreal. I mean, it was just, it just goes to show. I mean, we had never, ever, not once, not one picture, not one sighting, never, ever saw the buck that I shot, ever. And, um, uh, Meanwhile, this other buck that Bradshaw, I mean, he's like a homebody, you know? He just can't seem to get rid of him. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it just it was like the stars lined up because, really, we were supposed to be in New York that weekend, salmon fishing. It wasn't even supposed to be in a tree stand. <laughs> the weather wasn't right. There was no cold front. There was, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it was just one of those things. This buck's never showed up before. What are the chances that in daylight, he just gets up, walks two miles, <laughs> and just happens to show up right there. You know, it was just one of those weird things. It's like, man, oh man, like, how did that happen? Yeah. And then, uh, and then for Brad to shoot his, to shoot Zeus out of the same tree, we call it, we call it the 300 tree, uh, because Brad ended up scoring 159 and five eighths gross score. Wow. So we called, we call it the 300, the 300 tree, you know, we ended up shooting over 310 inches out of the same tree three weeks apart. That's insane. It was like, you it's unreal. It sounds unreal. like you, you I mean, almost passed up a buck that scored higher than your target buck. When you let him get right to your <laughs> tree and walk, walk halfway out of your life. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, that would have been, I don't think, especially after I pulled the trail camera card, if I hadn't passed that buck. Yeah, you probably would have been sick. Picture, oh, yeah, it would have been horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, we'll, ne- we'll never ever top this year. Um, but <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it was a testament to our hard work up there or if it was just dumb luck stars aligned or what i'm sure it was a little bit of both (laughs) yeah yeah that's just a wild story and back to what you were saying about you know that raised hunting um and just like giving people that uh feeling like you're there um i a couple times through that story you're talking about those bucks coming through feel like them goosebumps like i'm sitting you know 
in the next tree over yeah. or something like seriously like telling that story like it's just insane and anybody that's like big into hunting hears a story like that with that much history it's like mm-hmm. you can't help but feel personable with yeah. it especially you're yep. hunting i mean we're not obviously hunting you know close proximity to each other but we're still hunting pa and knowing that them bucks are roaming pennsylvania is just incredible mm-hmm. yeah i mean uh you know from what i hear from you know older gentlemen that i talk to and stuff like that i mean there never used to be buck like that around when they were kids i i actually um the one guy that i was talking to over in jersey while we were shotgun hunting he said him and his grandpa used to come over to pa for rifle season and he said you would see a herd of 100 deer he said, but you were looking for the four-pointer. He said, that was a trophy. <laughs> yeah. He said, you'd even roll a spike and you'd be happy with it. He said, there was never bucks like this around. Mm-hmm. That's wild. I'm sure there was way back in the day, you know. Yeah. I'm sure, of course, there was when people weren't really interfering and there was no overhunting or anything like that. But he said, when he was a kid, he said, it was never like that. So they really, they really come back, I can say that. Yeah, no, the antler restrictions definitely done a lot for the deer herd in Pennsylvania. Yep. So I got a few, but, um, oh, go ahead if you got more to it there. Yeah, no, I was just going to say after I shot that buck, I mean, it was like, and especially after Brad had shot his, that was when I was like, all right, um, this is special. I mean, this may never, ever happen again. I said, this is where I'm going to take, I'm going to try and attempt to take my filming to the next level. I said, I got footage in the days leading up to killing him. I said, the only footage I have of me shooting is my GoPro that was pointing on me because I had enough time to reach over and turn it on. And, I, you know, there was nothing pointing on the buck. The only thing I have of the buck is a trail camera picture on the actual deer. I said, but I definitely, I, I, I want to, like, almost turn this film into, a, like, a journey, you know, like almost yeah. like a precursor to something I didn't know was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if you guys watched the video, but, I mean, I, I, I definitely did. Cool. Yeah, as soon I've as watched you released it, too. It. Yeah, me and Nick watched it as soon as you dropped it. I totally understand oh, yeah. that feeling because, um, like, I mean, we like we said, we're just starting to get into filming, and that whole uh, like trying to get the perfect shot. But at the end of the day, like you are out there hunting, so like to me, it was it felt even more personal knowing that like you know you're out there trying to film this hunt, but when it comes down to it, like your sh- your camera angles weren't perfect, um, but you still got the job done. And I think that's part of the experience too. And I think you can tie that into a really good story um, with the whole hunt. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, that was a perfect, uh, like what you just said there at the end, like segue. Well, I wanted to ask you, um, what exactly are you using, uh, camera wise and like, how are you filming your hunts up in the tree stand? So I have, uh, four different cameras that I typically run on a normal setup. Uh, I have a Nikon Z50 mirrorless camera. Um, and I just run a 30 millimeter lens on that, uh, mm-hmm. with a microphone and that's what I have for doing my in-stand interviews. I have my GoPro that'll typically get, you know, like a third-party angle on me, uh, drawing back, whether it's pointing down, pointing up, pointing from behind, anywhere I can get it and get it comfortable. Um, I'll typically use that. Then I have another camera arm on the other side of me. So I have camera arms on both sides of me. Um, that holds my B5200 Nikon uh, DSLR. That's what I'm actually filming the deer with. And then uh, most of my still shots I'm getting with a D3400 DSLR. Hmm. So, and you're doing that all by and, yourself. You don't have anybody else up in the stand with you? <laughs> Nobody's up there with me. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, that's... So it gets, it gets difficult. It really does. Yeah, especially like you were uh, saying on the deer that you shot, you know, you were 
packing your stuff up and ready to go and then all of a sudden he's in your lap and you gotta you know do your best to try to get you know angles right and even though you said all you had was your gopro but still if you had another camera out you know all of a sudden now you have to worry about where that camera's pointing to try to get the deer right right and you know the other thing too that i noticed that i mean i'm definitely gonna have to change something up this year is on my uh on my mirrorless like i was saying i'm running a 30 millimeter lens on the actual camera that i'm using to film the deer i'm running a 70 to 300 mm-hmm. uh, millimeter lens so i can really get out there and when a deer are coming through the woods and i can get really down to like a real low focal length and i can make it you know i can make it look like it's on a dslr i can make a really nice video out of it um but the problem is you know when these deer start walking underneath me and it's a high pressure situation that 70 millimeter i can count the hairs on its back zoomed all the way out when that deer is right underneath me so then all of a sudden that turns my z50 i have to swing that over on the opposite side of me and bring it across my chest like a seatbelt and try and get film with that of the deer you know what i mean yeah and you know so it's just i mean it, it can get it gets chaotic for sure and then you know, at the end of the day, you're trying to organize all your footage, and you're trying to figure out what you want to use and what you don't want to use. And it's like, man, this is tough. But honestly, I mean, this is cool. It's really fun. I mean, you can make you can make it what you want it to be, and I think that's probably one of the best parts about it. I mean, it is yours. You can do what you want with it, and you can really try and make people feel any way that you felt about it. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, another thing I wanted to touch on when you were talking about. Uh, the buck, you know, like you had your pin set for, um, 10 yards or what, or up as far as it would go 20 yards or whatever. you got your top pin or all the way up and it stepped out. Um, do you still prefer to use your single pin after that occurrence or do you just like practice more with, you know, that last minute shot, um, where you have to kind of like guesstimate where your pin should be? I still love my single pin. Um, just because, Using that, I mean, I can shoot out to 120, which I'd love to do practice shooting. I'd love to get my long range out there. Um, but the one thing I've really been focusing on is not using a rangefinder um, in my yard, you know, when I have my 3D target set up. Mm-hmm. And I'll just, I'll just put one at 20 or put one at 30 or put one at 40 and then just put one out behind it at a random range. And I, I just work on that, you know what I mean? Uh, try and... Try and get more familiar with my ranges i know it's hard you know it's, it's really hard when there's nothing to compare it to if there's nothing around it it can be really hard to touch on a range but i want to know how high i have to you know how high i have to be if it's worth it if it's not do i want to take the guess do i not but i've been really practicing on um yeah just trying to be more familiar with my ranges i still want to use my single pin i still love that thing um but yeah i just want to get more familiar with it Mm-hmm. Uh, get a little bit better at shooting uh, without being so reliant on a rangefinder. Yeah, yeah. That's the reason I ask is because I'm I was on the fence about uh, the you know the single pins, and I've I mean for years I've shot fixed pin. Uh, so this year I switched over to uh, an option sight from Option Archery, and it's basically like okay. you've got your fixed pins, and then there's actually like a housing that can be flipped out, and your fixed pins are like disappeared, and it's just a single floating pin. Um, because okay. I basically I couldn't uh, I couldn't decide if I could if I totally wanted to jump into a single pin sight you know I still want that like cushion so I jumped into that and I've actually really really liked it and I found um, I started hunting with it at the end of um, like muzzleloader season 
and then I've been using it for turkey. Uh, and I find I've actually keep my fixed pins out of the way for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't had an opportunity where like, you know, I set my pin and draw back on something and it gets out of range from where I thought it was. Um, right. But yeah, I just, like I said, I was curious cause I'm still like on the fence on single pin versus fixed pins, but I'm not familiar with the site that you were talking about, but I mean, that sounds like it's, you know, just as good of an option. I mean, it's almost like you have both in one. Mm-hmm. And that's how mine is. I shoot an IQ and it ha- it's not quite like his. It doesn't flip the, you know, fixed pins out of the way, but it's got two fixed pins and then the third pin's a floating pin. So you can tweak it to whatever you want. So like I have my first pin at 20, next one 30. And then everything after that is just an adjustable pin from, you know, 40 to 100 so i can right right that way you know for longer ranges for practicing or for 3d shooting i can use that full range of motion on that pin but in a hunting situation i still always have the the fixed pins at my normal shooting ranges mm-hmm. yeah i would find that i mean I, I think that would be even more useful than just a regular single pin honestly mm-hmm yeah, just like I said, I haven't, I can't fully commit to the single pin. I know a lot of guys that shoot them and absolutely love them, mm-hmm. but it's just like that jump. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't blame <laughs> you. I mean, I, I can imagine. I'm sure there's been a lot of missed opportunities uh, yeah, because just, of that kind of thing. You know, it's like you, 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 it's almost like uh, you know when you're walking down the hallway somewhere and somebody's coming right at you, and it's like you go to the right, but then they also go to the right. <laughs> you're kind of like sidestepping, like who's gonna pass? You know, it's kind of like the same thing when a deer's coming through and you know he moved, you know he's a little bit farther now. So it's like, okay, I'm like, I have zero time to get this shot off. Okay, and you get like halfway, like drawn back and you're like, oh no, I should adjust, I should adjust. And it's like, you're like, you're bouncing back and forth just like you're sidestepping with that person. You don't know what to do and then bam, that deer's gone. And it's like, you know, what was was I supposed to do? You know, like, so I definitely, I like the sights that you guys have. That sounds like uh, probably even a better option than regular single pin i don't blame you for being on the fence yeah yeah just, like i like I, said, I love the idea of the single pin with just like the clear uh sight picture because um, like i noticed right. now when i flip those fixed pins in i feel like they're in the way when i'm shooting at you know like 60 yards or something or, or greater i don't really practice too much past 80 um i've played with 100 but for the most part i stay inside of 80 um just for practice obviously i'm not shooting whitetails at that far but <laughs> right <laughs> um <laughs> yeah Another thing I wanted to talk about, which I feel like I couldn't skip over, uh, seeing what you posted the other day on Instagram was uh, your shed uh, hunting for this year. Um, Because I've put north of 20 miles in, which for me was a lot of miles for shed hunting this year and came up with three. Um, So I do want to talk to you a little bit about what you're doing out there to find the sheds that you are. And like, I'm sure it's a lot of it's, you know, put the miles in, um, but I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about that. Okay. Um, yeah, so typically it's me and my buddy Shane. Um, we went through high school together and stuff like that. Pretty much grew up together. And both of us, I don't really know many other people that are like crazy about shed hunting like we are. I mean, from January straight up to the end of April, I mean, we are just every weekend, every chance we get off work, you know, we're out there. We love it. We're just completely addicted to this going out that time of year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, we do, uh, we do pretty much just walk. I mean, we'll do typically, depending on what we're walking through, 20 miles a day. 
Um, which, I mean, for some guys that's not much, for some other guys it's a lot, you know, I guess it just depends. But mm-hmm. um, we used to walk, just aimlessly wander, uh, is basically what we used to do. And now that we have Onyx, we put on our trackers, it, you know, it tells us how, many, how much time we're using up, how far we're going, where we're going. It's telling us everywhere we've walked and where we haven't. Um, we used to aimlessly wander, and we would come up with a lot less sheds. What we started doing last year and this year was we started making a game plan everywhere we went because uh, a lot of where we found those sheds was public land, um, which is awesome. I mean, it's like Do you want to so throw much, that you know, number work. out, what you found this year, just so people understand uh, what you're end, talking about? <laughs> we ended up with 84 sheds and 14 deadheads. Jeez. Yeah, so we're not talking like a dozen sheds here. Like, yeah. you got a shit ton of sheds. <laughs> <laughs> now, granted, one was one was from Iowa, and I think five were from South Dakota. Um, but other than that, all of them were Pennsylvania sheds. Yeah, that's which, still a pretty you know, impressive have, number we, of sheds. So, yeah, okay, jump it down to 70. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we like to walk into creek bottoms. Um, the creek bottoms always end up bringing up, like, uh, we usually find some deadheads down in the creek bottoms and stuff like that. And besides the creek bottoms, we like to walk field edges. And we've noticed, too, that a lot of times uh, if you can find fields that have, um, like, switchgrass or Egyptian grass and stuff like that, uh, right on the edge of the field, it's like between a field and a trans, you know, like a transition almost where they're coming out. They're not totally committed or comfortable into coming into the field, uh, but they have that transition that they can walk into, then we'll end up finding a lot of beds in there, and we'll end up finding a lot of sheds in there in turn that time of year. Um, Of course, we like to walk like the Oak Ridges. Um, Honestly, I mean, you know, I'm sure you guys have heard of the south-facing slopes. Oh, yeah. Where they're getting the most fun. We haven't had a hard enough winter for that to matter. Yeah, no, this Uh, is one of the most mild winters I think we've ever had. Yeah, and so, you know, we always try and key on on the south-facing slope, but, I mean, that's for, like, I think, in my opinion, this is for, like, Wisconsin, Minnesota, like those northern and midwestern states where they get cold, hard winters, and mm-hmm. those deer need every little bit of warmth and sun that they can get. Around here, I mean, I really, these past couple of years, it hasn't been much of anything at all, so um, we really haven't found almost any sheds on south-facing slopes. And it's definitely not for lack of trying. Um, so that's just, that's just one thing I've keyed in on. You know, I mean, I think the weather has a lot in part to do with that. Um, but we like our oak ridges and high points. Uh, anywhere, uh, you know, a, a buck of any age, he likes to get up somewhere where he can lay there all day and just watch. 360 around him. Mm-hmm. Um, these bucks are not going to be in the thickest of rush all the time. They like to be, they almost like to be vulnerable. They like to see around them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I think they feel safe in the brush, but at the same time, they almost feel vulnerable as well because they can't see what's going to be coming up on them. Yeah. So they like to get out into those openings and those high points where they can look down these ridges, look around them, know what's going on. And uh, we find a lot of sheds at the very highest point. So, Going back to what I was saying about how we make a game plan, uh, when we get to a piece of public land, we'll find the very lowest parts, like the creek bottoms. We'll find where the food sources are going to be. If there's ag fields there, which typically uh, there might be grass fields, you know, on uh, Pennsylvania public, uh, where, you know, pheasant hunters go and stuff like that. Yeah. And 
if you can key on uh, key in on trails there, we'll usually pick up a couple there, but nothing major, uh, not like the numbers we find elsewhere. So we'll pick the lowest spot, the highest spot, and instead of aimlessly wandering, we'll draw up a little map of, you know, this is what we're going to do. We're not, <laughs> we have the tendency of getting out there and we're like, ooh, that looks We, uh, you still there? And the next thing you know, um, the next thing you know, I mean, you're like three ridges over and five miles from your truck when you're not, <laughs> that wasn't part of the plan, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, no, it's easy to so get sidetracked when you start wandering through the woods. Everything you see looks enticing, so you want to start, oh, I'm just going to go check over there real quick. And it's and always then, the opposite direction of the truck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. So, yeah, we just started um, figuring out, hey, you know what, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to get the most amount of walk out of the time that we have and key in on those good places that we like to go, the low points, the high points, and anywhere we think there might be food or transition or anything that those deer like to be in, and then we'll go there, you know, according to our plan. Then if we have extra time, then we might play around and aimlessly wander a little bit or we'll just bounce to a different piece. But this year, we started doing that plan. Last year, we did a little bit, but we were still a little bit rusty on the whole not wandering around like toddlers in a store. (laughs) uh, This year, we really disciplined ourselves, and I mean, it was like, it was so rewarding. I mean, we were picking up, there was a couple couple days where we picked up almost 20 sheds between the two of us in one day. I mean, we never got that before. I mean, it was awesome. Mm -hmm. So, about what time of year are you hitting sheds that heavy like you're getting obviously you're not doing 20 every time you go out but uh so about what time uh, of year are you hitting like the peak of uh your shed findings i would say first to the third week of march (laughs) okay so like you know really like the second week of march would be the best but between the first week and the third week is when we always hit it the best gotcha Um, and are you finding them typically in january when you guys first start well, see, what we do in January is we're just, pretty much we're just getting antsy and we're trying to condition <laughs> ourselves to get ready because when we go on these, like, shed trips, like, we went out to South Dakota and shed hunted and we went out to Iowa and shed hunted this spring, and that's a lot of different terrain than what we have around here. Iowa's pretty flat, South Dakota not so much. That's yeah. The mountains out yeah, there. I've been to South Dakota and, um, yeah, it's nothing but hills. Yeah, so we just like to get the legs going. I mean, we get antsy sitting in the house, and, I mean, you see that first buck drop one side, and it's on, man. It is on. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we just go out and clean up the old ones that we missed the year before. Or, you know, we'll hit new pieces and look for old ones that nobody shed hunt or somebody didn't see. So we'll pick up a lot of, like, year-old ones mm-hmm. uh, in January and February. Um, towards the end of February is when we'll start digging into some new ones. We'll start, you know, bucks will start dropping a little bit heavier. We'll start picking up two or three fresh ones and five old ones every time we go out mm-hmm. and then that quickly turns into we're not finding old ones anymore they're all fresh yeah uh, you know mixed in with the deadheads and stuff like that yeah um, so whereabouts did you find yeah. that uh, elk shed this year so that was we were actually on our way out to ohio and we just started we decided to stop i don't know we might have been 20 minutes south of benzette yeah, I mean, you don't have to give us, like, exact locations, but, you know, just general area. I, I, I guess I assumed you found it in Pennsylvania. I didn't know if you traveled somewhere else to find it, but. Yeah, it, actually, it was actually really cool because we were on our way out to Ohio to shed hunt, and we were going down the road, and uh, 
I just happened to look over the berm of the road that we were going down, and I saw it down there. It was like <laughs> down over the ditch, up over a hill, and down another little berm, like maybe 50 yards from the road, and I could see the time sticking up. And I, I said to Shane, I'm like, I quickly pulled over. Shane's like, what are you doing? I'm like, there was an elk shed back there. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, there was an elk shed back there. Are you listening? And he's like, he's like, are you serious? I'm like, I'm not. I'm Dead serious. She's like, were you going to go get it? I'm like, yeah. I got what do you think I'm stopping for? <laughs> yeah, I never, I never found an elk shed before. So, that, I mean, that was like crazy. I ran up to it, and I quick helped up, and he's standing at the truck and grinning ear to ear. He couldn't believe it. I'm like, that's crazy from the road. Yeah, that's that's hilarious. You found it not even shed hunting because like elk sheds in PA, you know, people really hammer the elk sheds. Like as soon as they're dropping, people are like following behind the things, picking them up. That's crazy. Yeah, so we ended up. We never. We never even ended up making it out to Ohio because we stopped right there on a piece of public and decided to shed hunt that. And we <laughs> picked up a couple whitetail sheds, but we didn't find any other elk sheds. Like, like you said, people are just that crazy about it. That yeah. Uh, so you know, we've actually that first story went way longer than I was anticipating, which is a good thing because, like I said, it you were really good with you know making us feel like we were right there. But being that it, we're in the middle of May. Uh, I think it'd be crazy not to talk about your turkey hunt you had this past weekend, um, especially because me personally, I'm I'm after the same goal trying to kill a bird with my bow. Yep, same here. Um, so I'd like to maybe hear a little bit about that and kind of hear about how you feel like you got the job done so early. Yeah, so um, I really didn't even plan on hunting myself that day. I was actually bringing my buddy Zach out uh, to one of his properties to try and call a bird in for him. Uh, he's not big into bird hunting, but it's it's a good time. He's killed a couple, but he's not, you know, he's not really that big into it. So I'm like, all right, you know what? We'll go together. We'll roost a bird Friday night, and we'll try and work one in for you. I'll try and get it all on film for you and everything on Saturday. So uh, where we ended up locating this bird on Friday night was right on the edge of the property. Um, it was, we were down in the grass field below, and it benches up to a cornfield on top, which is the neighbor's property, and the stone row in between on that bench is the dividing line. And that stone row runs clear up an oak ridge. I mean, straight up like a ramp. And that bird was roosting right on the property line, right there on that oak ridge. I'm like, okay, easy. I'm like, we're going to kill that bird in the morning. I'm not even worried. I mean, he was hot the night before, so we just backed out. I said, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll come back in the morning. It'll be easy as that. I, mean, I guarantee he's pitching downwards, you know, pitching downhill into the grass and just strutting all day. So I said, we'll just ease in here in the morning. We'll get here at like 5 o'clock, maybe a little earlier, get set up, get everything, in, you know, all our ducks in a row, and we'll kill this bird. He's like, all right, that's cool. So we got there the next morning, and uh, we got set up around 5, 30. This bird just starts firing off. And, I mean, he is hot. And I'm like, we weren't even making any sound yet, you know. And he's, he's firing off, just one right after the other. And we could hear Jake's way off in the distance, gobbling. you know, there's ugly little gobble. <laughs> it's like beer cans down the it's steps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep, so... Um, we're like, all right, that's cool. There's a couple birds around, you know. I'm like, it shouldn't take long. I said, I, I, I made a bet with him. I'm like, 20 bucks said by 6:30 this bird's dead. <laughs> I was thinking earlier than that, but I said just to be safe by 6:30 this bird's dead. Like, all right. So I'd say around 5:45, 5:50, this bird's getting ready to fly down now. I mean, any second, I'm waiting for this bird to fly down. I can see him, and I can hear like, and I'm like, what the heck is that? You know. And I'm, like, looking around, looking around, and I, I wasn't trying to move too much, but I just happened to, like, stand up a little bit and look behind us, and there's two guys hauling ass 
across that cornfield on the neighbor's property, <laughs> running, running right towards them. And I'm like, what the hell are these guys doing? Well, they obviously got there late, had zero idea because they didn't roost the bird the night before, so they obviously had no idea where this bird was. They were just going to go. <laughs> and they ran, like, within 20 yards, and he flew straight out of the tree, down over the field that we were hunting, straight across that thing. I've never seen a turkey fly this far in my life. Easy. Easy 200 yards, flew all the way across this field Holy onto shit. another ridge that we couldn't hunt, and then was just up there gobbling all morning. Couldn't hunt him. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, so then he was like, all right. He's like, well, I'm going to go home and work on my truck. I'm like, all right, that's cool. I'm going to grab my bone and go try and kill one myself. So I went up to the property where uh, I shot my buck, and because uh, I had a lot of trail cameras of birds up, uh, pictures of birds up there this year. So I went up there, and I lost everything in the truck. I wasn't even in my camo yet because I had gone home and changed ate breakfast and stuff. And I went up there, and I'm just sitting at the truck, and I get out, and I'm just fiddling around a little bit, and I hear one uh, light off. A dirt bike actually went down the road, and he gobbled at it. <laughs> and now, it gets crazier, okay? This is something that has never, ever happened to me. So it wasn't just him. I heard a bunch of them gobble all at the same dirt bike, and they were all right there together. I'm like, are they Jake's? You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm wondering, like, are they Jake? I don't know. I'm like, I've never heard. They didn't sound like Jake gobbles, but there was a bunch of them there. So I'm like, all right, whatever. So I'm like, oh, I guess I better put my camel on. So I'm putting my pants on and stuff. And, like, they hammer again. So I'm like, I had my, I just do my mouth cold and quick on. And they, they, they all fire off. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, they're, you know, they're talking. They're pretty hot today. So I'm like, that's good. We'll go see. I'm still thinking that they're Jake. So I get my camel on. I grab my bow. And I do it again. And this time when they gobbled, they were like 100 yards closer. And to begin with, they might have been 200 yards. No. So I'm like, oh, Closing I'm quick. like, oh, they're coming. They're coming now, like right now. So I literally just ran as fast as I could straight into the woods. Because I'm like, I don't know where I'm going to set up. Right now, I'm still standing on the dirt lane. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I have my camera in my hand. I'm like, screw the camera. I'm like, these birds are coming, you know? <laughs> so I'm like, I just hightailed my ass into the woods. And the very first thing I saw maybe... 50 yards in the wood, maybe not even, maybe 40, was a huge oak tree that was uprooted from the wind. And, you know, they leave those huge divots in the ground. Mm-hmm. So I just jumped. I just jumped straight down into it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. I'm like, my heart is just beating straight out of my chest right now because I know these birds are coming quick. So I got, I uh, yelped one more time, and I cut at them a little bit, and all of them, bam, fire off, 75 yards. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, this is happening. So I'm like, all right. How am I going to do this? I'm like, I haven't even figured out how I'm going to shoot one yet. I'm like, I'm literally just letting them come to me. I don't even know what I'm doing yet. So I kind of just poke my head up over. I step on a root like a step, and I just kind of lift my head up, like, just so my eye gets above the root ball there, and I can see them. Seven long beards. Seven of them. Jesus. I think they were two-year-old birds, but who cares? Like, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, are we going to age turkeys now? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I don't, you know, I'm not, I have no prejudice. You know, for birds. I... Yeah, they, they all had like nine, ten-inch beards, but they were all still grouped together, which I know mature birds won't typically do that. You know what I mean? So that's why I'm only, that's the only reason I'm saying that. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. yeah, seven of them. No hens, no jake, seven long beards coming at me in a single file line. All right? And, I mean, they're running. I mean, running. Like, you know how they look. They look like ostriches. Yeah. Oh, just waddling running, back you know and forth. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, just running at me. And I'm like, oh, damn so I just duck right back down, instantly pull back, because I know they're going to be there within 10 seconds. <laughs> instantly pull back, and I'm just waiting now. And I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and all of a sudden I can hear crunch, like crunch, 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 and like one just comes right past me. I mean, dude, I shot this thing maybe 10 steps. Maybe. It was <laughs> oh, shit. Close. 
It was the very first one. Just walked straight past me. He never knew I was there because <laughs> I put my back up against the, uh, you know, I was in the uproot, and, like, basically only my head was, like, ground level. All the rest of me was technically below ground. Mm-hmm. And Holy he shit. just walked right past me. I just, I just smoked him right there. And the other birds had no idea what just happened. None whatsoever. <laughs> so they're all standing right there. I mean, I kind I bet you I could have shot four of them. <laughs> what was going on? They kept gobbling. They just kept right on and going, right past my bird. Like, that was flopping right there. They walked right past him. They didn't beat him up or nothing. Walked right past him and just kept right on and going, right towards where I was originally calling. <laughs> I'm like, they, they, they had no idea. That's insane. But, I mean, wild. It was, it was a wild hunt. It was wild. It was, uh, I know it just happened so fast. You know what I mean? It was like, man, like... I would, I would have loved to have gotten, especially with the bow with no blind, no decoys or anything on the ground. Like, I'd have loved to got that on film. But how? Like, yeah, it, you it def- didn't definitely have didn't have time to set up cameras or anything. That was a either do it now or never. Yeah, it's a do or die yeah, right exactly. there. It's like sacrifice the film or don't shoot the bird. You know? And, yeah. You know, I was like, I'm shooting the bird. You say, yeah, the, the whole bird. reason you're out there is to get a bird. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's not the other thing with filming. You can't. It's good to you know be with it, but you can't get too caught up in it because. What's the real reason you're out there? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's yeah. Exactly you don't want to lose sight of the hunt, you know, just to get it on film. You know, you don't want to sacrifice. You know, like if say you know you're after Zeus and you couldn't get the perfect camera angle on Zeus, but are you gonna not shoot that buck just because you couldn't get it on film? You know, it's you got to weigh right, the options. Right. <laughs> yep. I'm not getting paid by anybody to shoot a buck on film, so. Hey, if it's not on film, it ain't on film. I'm sorry. That's how we are. I mean, we're out there to hunt whitetails and turkeys and stuff. And if you can get it on film, we're really striving to do it. But bottom line is you're out there to get them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you joining us here on this uh, podcast here. I mean, like you said, you got some hell of a stories you told us here. Um, And just like you said, you're getting it done like for bear, turkey, whitetails especially um so it was like it was good to get you on there because i know a couple of our listeners and stuff they they will message us and stuff and ask about different tips and whatnot so they can listen to this and hopefully learn something um and then hopefully like you said feel like they're in the tree with you um maybe helping you direct those camera arms because i can't even imagine (laughs) trying to move several camera arms when i'm getting frustrated with just like when we when i first started filming um I put like a GoPro on my head and I remember getting irritated with that. So I can't imagine, imagine four different cameras I'm trying to run. Um, right now we're running, uh, just a, a Sony, uh, alpha seven. Um, and then okay. just some, uh, GoPros for some side angle shots and stuff. But, um, no, I really appreciate you joining us. Um, but before we end it, we typically, um, we do what we call a write it in pen, um, and basically what we do is anytime we get a guest on here, we try and get some little tidbit of information um, that they kind of live by when it comes to like the outdoors, um, whether it's like what you do that you, year to year that you uh, keeps you successful or whatever, um, but just like a little bit of tidbit, um, you know, phrase or whatever uh, that keeps you out there, makes you successful. I would say... Um my rule to live by when I'm hunting with whitetails, which are my favorite, is play the wind because you can't kill one without it. Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, so yeah, that's about. I mean, I'm. I've, I don't know how to word it, but um, basically, I mean, anytime I tried to chance it and play the wind, 
my hunts have been unsuccessful because of it. And mm-hmm. that was the only reason my mm-hmm. hunts were unsuccessful. And so uh, I've just become a true believer in I don't care what you spray down with. If you're upwind of a deer, he's going to smell you, you know. And, that, I mean, that is what they use the most to survive. I mean, they, they want to live just like we do. I mean, we don't want somebody to come kill us, you know. So we're going to use every sense that we have to stay alive. And a deer's strongest sense is his nose, and he's going to use it. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't play the wind, you ain't going to fool him. That's right on the money. I yeah, mean, I definitely agree with the fact that, that. What you said, like with any scent control, doesn't matter what you have, what special clothes you have on, scent lock or whatever. If a deer's gonna smell you, he's gonna smell you. You know, it's so if you play the wind and keep your scent away from him, there's no way he can smell you. Yep. I mean, you don't have to smell like human to scare him off. If he smells something different that he hasn't smelled there for the last 30 days in a row, Mm -hmm. he's not gonna like it. He's not gonna chance it because that's life or death for them. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what that's what I say. I, I appreciate it. Well, thank you, man. Uh, yeah, like, so we'll, uh, thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. It was a good time. Yeah, no problem. We'll uh, we'll post a link uh, to your Instagram and your YouTube, um, and I'm probably I'll, I'll throw in the actual link to the video of Ace as well because that that was a badass uh, film. And just like knowing that you do all your editing and stuff is extremely inspirational for us too. Cause like we're diving into it this year about doing all the editing and my brother, uh, Luke, he's not on with us tonight. Um, but he does all of our editing for videos and just all the, he just had no idea what we were getting into. Um, so <laughs> seeing that you're already into it is really cool. Um, and we'll share them out there and, but like I said, appreciate it. Uh, we'll talk yeah. to you soon, man. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, thank you, guys, and good luck to all of you. Yep, all right, thanks you a lot, Luke. Have a good night, buddy. Uh, See you, buddy. Thanks yep, for stopping. Take it easy. Yep, bye. All right, guys, that was Luke Moyer. Uh, said he's a big-time deer killer, turkey killer, bear killer. Um, finds sheds like a madman. Definite but, uh, all-around outdoorsman. Yeah. So, uh, said the guys, thank you guys very much for listening, of course. Uh subscribe to our youtube you know that's where we're going to be posting our videos um follow us on instagram and uh make sure you guys are staying outside